Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Today, I'm here with Sarah Schools. She's a science writer and the author of They Are Already Here, UFO Culture and Why We See Saucers. Sarah's written for many publications like Scientific American, The Verge, Vice, Science, and Outside. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Sarah. Yeah, thank you for having me. So just a few weeks ago, the Pentagon released, or I should say re-released, three videos of what they call unidentified aerial phenomena. So this was videos taken by military pilots, strange things in the sky. So what are we looking at? Are we looking at, is it aliens? Are we looking at aliens? (laughs) I would say there is no evidence to support the hypothesis that we're looking at aliens. But the bottom line is that we, we don't know what we're looking at. It's possible someone somewhere in some government agency knows what we're looking at. But we definitely don't. And as far as we know, the Department of Defense classifies these things as unidentified. I presume for your book, you've read thousands of pages of unclassified government documents on UFOs. If these videos aren't it, is there anything else to suggest that we've found evidence? I think what's intriguing about government studies of UFOs is that, you know, they've had investigations programs off and on for decades. And most of the reports you can solve have been solved. They are things like Venus or spy planes or atmospheric phenomena. But in every study, there has been some portion that remains unidentified. And that is not evidence of aliens. It's probably evidence that for a lot of these sightings, we don't have enough data to determine what they actually are or are not. So it's possible they have an explanation that's super normal. And we just don't have enough data to to know what that is. You touched on this in the book, I believe. It does make sense that people remain suspect of what the government may or may not be telling us because they have these official programs, as you just mentioned, to study unidentified aerial phenomena, right? Which makes sense. Of course, the military would be interested in these things. And so it does seem like there's a disconnect between suggesting that, oh, to think these are somehow extraterrestrial is ridiculous, but yet we're going to put a bunch of money and energy behind investigating them. Right, right. Yeah, there is a, an anthropologist whose work I read named Diana Palmer Hoyt, who, who said something along the lines of, in, in public, we're going to downplay this thing and tell people not to pay attention. And then in private, we're going to spend all this money investigating, which, like you said, mm-hmm. of course, makes people suspicious if internally you seem to be taking something seriously and then externally you say, oh, it's, oh, it's just Venus. But I think, yeah, the big thing is, I mean, people truly do think, see things that they can't identify in the sky, but going from that to like 
aliens built them and are piloting them is a really huge leap that there's not any evidence to support besides the fact that some of these things are cooler than we think human technology is. Right. And you can be intrigued and interested in UFOs, but not necessarily think they are driven by alien beings. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The best UFO investigators, I think, stay what I call agnostic. Like lots of them don't hold in their hearts any specific hypothesis about what they are. They're still just trying to gather enough data to even figure out anything about what's going on. And I mean, in all likelihood, lots of things are going on. Like there is weird atmospheric stuff and there are classified planes that we don't know about. And there are weird drones and then 0.000001 maybe there are aliens, but we can't rule in or out any of those right now for what's in these videos. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. So first, I have to say I was incredibly creeped out by the foreshadowing that you do in the book, because it came out in March. And you have some quotes about, let's see, I wrote one down. The world has seemed more full of this feeling than usual recently, as we wonder if we stand on the precipice of some dystopian moment. Hello, (laughs) look around. (laughs) uh, I'm doing this, you know, hiding in a closet, because we're all hiding from my family. But you were getting at the fact that part of our interest in UFOs and the sort of longing for these to be extraterrestrial in nature is the idea that soon the world will be different. We're hoping for a a change that would be drastic in order to get us out of whatever our current situation is. Yeah, a lot of uh, scholars who study UFO belief have noted that in times of terrestrial turmoil, you know, UFO belief kind of turns itself up, just like religious belief was, because we're looking to to distract ourselves from a problem or to something that might be some kind of higher power. And maybe also, especially with this latest stuff, which people are talking about as, as threatening to take all of our anxiety that we have about things like elections and pandemics and project them kind of far out into space, into something that uh, is a little less scary, maybe, than a pandemic. I mean, what would it mean for us if aliens showed up, if they're not um, already here? <laughs> think. I mean, I think first it would make us feel really special that if the universe is so big and we don't know how much life there is or is not out there, that these aliens picked Earth out of all the trillions of planets to come to. Like that, that would make me feel pretty special and also be like, why, why here? I think Space I don't really, really empty. It is really, really and empty. We are a tiny rock. <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the biggest scientific arguments against UFOs being alien spacecraft is space is so empty. We're a tiny rock. Why would anyone spend their time crossing space at all? So, in your investigation of ufology, 
Is that how you say it? People say ufology and they also say ufology. I say ufology because I think it's kind of fun, but that's the only reason. I love it. In your deep dive into ufology, can you tell me about some of the the characters that you've met, the people that you've met along this journey to write your book? I think one of my favorite people was a guy named Jorg Arnu. He lives in a town called Rachel in Nevada, just outside of Area 51. And he, you know, doesn't really believe aliens are on Earth at all. And he definitely doesn't believe anybody's hiding their bodies in Area 51. But he went out there more uh, more than 20 years ago to try to find out if that was true. And he just became so enamored of the desert and of all the military technology that he basically abandoned his life in the city to move out to this tiny, dusty town outside of Area 51 and just drive around the borders all day trying to figure out mysteries. And uh, I respect that. Awesome. Uh, yes. Yeah. Not too far from... Maybe a, jur- a science writing journalist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I identified with his quests for sure. And another another person who I really enjoyed getting to know was named Annie, and she works at a tourist place in Colorado where I live called the UFO Watchtower. And Annie's kind of a believer in UFOs and aliens, but she just, she spends her days inside this tourist attraction where people just stop by and stand on a platform and look for UFOs and look at the sightings of other people. And it was really just kind of a cool communal place for people who are casually interested or total skeptics or total true believers to kind of get together and hang out in the mountains. And I like that too. So do you think that this re-release of these videos from the Pentagon is somehow foreshadowing? Are we going to see more of these? Are they trying to prepare us for something? Or is it just, you know, government's going to government and not going <laughs> to um, I mean, I think on some level, government's always going to government. On the other hand, they did release these and they didn't have to. My sense of things is that they seem very worried about like these, these are craft that they can't seem to identify, and they talk about them like drones for the most part. And they don't talk about aliens. It doesn't seem like they think they're aliens. They are just worried that there are unauthorized things coming into their airspace. And I think they maybe want to be more public about that so that whoever it is driving stuff that's not supposed to be there will cut it out because they know that the government knows now. And so... That's my sense. But I mean, there's a lot of people, especially on the internet, who think that this is the beginning of what UFO advocates call disclosure, where the government's going to release all its UFO secrets, and we're going to find out all the crazy things that we never knew before. So I think that it's unlikely, but I guess we'll all just have to wait and see. Yes, we will have to wait and see. Thank you for coming to talk UFOs and ufology with me. I do have to ask you before you go, because my students would be very disappointed in me if I didn't. How was your visit to Area 51? Area 51 is now one of my favorite places on the planet, although obviously I didn't actually go inside. I just hung out outside. But uh, yeah, I just loved it. It's, I mean, it's like a pretty desert with a bunch of abandoned mining tunnels that you can go unsafely into. And then when it gets dark, the military is testing very cool things that you can't see. We saw a bunch of jets doing flare exercises. So they kind of chase each other and then they drop these bright orange flares that just look like they're hovering in weird shapes. 
And then we also saw this kind of fleet of many, many tiny white lights that were arranged into a very neat matrix that kind of just all moved in unison across the sky and then disappeared. Now that Um, sounds like they're messing with us on purpose. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in the past, they have, some of the old timers will talk about trying to make their maneuvers look like what people think flying saucers look like so that they can create their own little UFO story. So, I mean, there's, there's maybe a little bit of that going on. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Everyone should check out They Are Already Here. Yeah, thank you for having me.